Good morning, Alger Park friends. It is good to be with you today. Uh, I have been here a few times, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah Vermaris. I am a student at Calvin Seminary, and I also work part-time at the university in campus ministries, uh, hanging out with college students. So uh, that's a little bit about my life. I've been here several times. My family and I always love coming to Alger Park. Uh, we always feel so welcomed here and appreciate so much your kindness and your uh, sense of welcome as we come into, into your family here. So I'm glad to be here and I'm eager to come together around God's word today. Uh, this morning we're going to be hearing from Isaiah 40, which is a passage that is usually read, preached, talked about at Christmas time. But I figured that if Hobby Lobby can put out their Christmas decorations and their Christmas crafts in May, then certainly the church can gather around this beautiful, important passage, um, and it doesn't need to be boundaried by the month of December. Uh, more importantly than keeping up with Hobby Lobby, uh, this passage actually has a distinct word about comfort in the middle of chaos. Uh, and sadly, chaos is not something that seems to be boundaried by a specific month on the calendar. Some of you sitting here today are in your own version of personal chaos, in your relationships, in your family, in your work. Some of us here are feeling the chaos of being part of a denomination that currently feels divisive or complicated or uncertain, especially as we head into this week of synod where some of those complications and divisions and uncertainties feel really close to the surface. And specifically, some of you here at Alger Park may be feeling a little bit of internal chaos as you process the pastoral changes that have happened here over the past year. And as you prepare for another set of pastoral changes, as Pastor Stefan now follows a new call on his life, you might feel like the future here feels a little uncertain, a little chaotic. And so it seems wise that perhaps today we let God's word speak again into our lives and listen to what his word says about what happens when God's comfort confronts our chaos. So let's go to the passage together. It's Isaiah 40. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. Uh, you can follow along up on the screen. You can listen as I read or feel free to um, follow in your own Bibles if you have them. This is Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. 
The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. Today's text opens with bold words of comfort. Those of us sitting in this room know that those words are coming from a prophetic book of Scripture. But the reality is that they could fit nicely into all kinds of places in our culture. We are, after all, a people who love comfort. From our shoes, to our bedding, to the diapers we put on our little ones, we're often willing to pay a little bit extra money if the price tag comes with the promise of extra comfort. And we are certainly a people who love to be comfortable. A quick Google search of the word comfortable brings up a feast of images. People with their eyes closed, feet up, floating on fluffy clouds or laying on pillowy couches, breezy hammocks, covered in cable-knit blankets with a warm cup of tea in their hands, sitting with perfectly manicured toes in the warm Michigan sand the latest flavor of Starbucks Frappuccino in hand. We love to be comfortable. We want a comfortable margin in our budget, a comfortable quality of life, a comfortable everything. But our text today seems to offer up a different variety of comfort, a different picture of what it means to be comfortable, of what it means to be comforted, And as it turns out, God's variety of comfort is very, very different than fluffy clouds and cable-knit blankets and cold frappuccinos. As our text opens, God's voice literally booms through the heavens to his people Israel with our key words, comfort, comfort. Many of us are so used to this passage that we don't take the time to turn back a few pages and understand why in the world comfort is so important in the first place. Of all the words that God could speak into being at this moment, why is comfort so urgent? Well, it only takes a few minutes of page turning to begin to understand the picture. The book of Isaiah is written to the people Judah, a people who have progressively lost their way, lost their connection to God, lost their identity. And for almost 39 chapters, Isaiah rehearses all the ways that they are lost. 
all the ways that they've turned away from God and from justice and from each other. You see, the people of Judah had their own idea of comfort, and they were willing to chase it in whatever way seemed best to them. So they made convenient political alliances, and they built up beautiful, comfortable, grand luxury homes at the expense of the poor. And they bowed down to other easier, better-feeling gods. And they plugged their ears whenever anyone dared to speak against their life or their sin or their patterns. Isaiah says earlier in this book, you attach yourself to sin like it's a cart and you drag it around with you everywhere you go. But the people refuse to listen. They want comfort and they want it their way. And because they plug their ears and because they refuse to listen and because they are so certain that they know how to find happiness, that they know how to find comfort, God eventually says, enough. And his enough comes in the form of a nation called Babylon. And in a matter of a few years, Babylon sweeps through Judah and takes the entire nation off into captivity. And in what feels like the blink of an eye, everything changes for Judah. They have no home, no land, no stability, no security. The only reality they now know is the chaos of captivity. All the things that they were so sure would bring them comfort are now gone. And they're left with devastating hopelessness and gaping questions. And this reality goes on for 70 years. Some of the people in captivity remember the old days. They remember the land, the temple. But some of the people born in captivity never know a different life. They've been born here, born into slavery, into hardship, into the sinful legacy of their grandmas and their grandpas, their moms and their dads. But what everyone has in common is this. They are living in the chaos of captivity. And as far as they can see, there is no comfort in sight. As we look at our own lives and at all the ways we try to find and create comfort, we find that we're not so different than the people of Judah, are we? Like them, we are so often certain that we know what will fill our lives with comfort. And so we chase financial stability or that elusive summer cottage life that just looks so lovely. We overindulge on comfort foods. We drink too much. We fill our homes with things that will hopefully give us that Instagram cozy look that we're going for. We're certain that if perhaps we own the right things, if our, if our retirement plan stays on track, if we can just outrun the hard stuff of life, maybe we will make it. Ah, comfort. But so often in the blink of an eye, comfort is overtaken by chaos. Sometimes that chaos comes as a result of our own sin. 
the habit that we thought we had under control becomes a chain of addiction. The affair goes public. The anger that we've been trying to stuff down erupts and ruins a relationship. But sometimes that chaos comes from the brokenness of the world, from the hardship that we are all born into. A new boss takes over management, and we find ourselves walking out the front door of our office with a cardboard box and a hundred fears about our future. Our aging parent, who's been doing so well and living independently, has an unexpected fall, and overnight we find ourselves in the overwhelming role of caretaker. We get a phone call, a diagnosis, an email, a text that turns our life upside down. Some of us this week sit in a church denomination that feels chaotic as we witness anger or posturing or division or disagreements that seem impossible to resolve. There are mass shootings, unjust wars, grocery bills that become harder and harder to pay. And just in case we needed more, this week the news that AI just may take over all of humanity. There's so much chaos, isn't there? Last year I watched a friend of mine named Kristen walk through the overwhelming chaos of losing her husband. And Kristen said that I could share her story with you. After years of battling cancer and difficult doctor's visits and bad news from scans, our friends Kristen and Matt got the news that this one last surgery might be the answer. This could be the end of cancer. But while on the operating table, Matt's tired and weary heart couldn't take the stress of the operation. And in a moment that seemed so close to answered prayer, so close to comfort, Matt took his last breath. We are a people who love comfort. But so often it is chaos that seems to rule the day. And as far as we can see, no matter how hard we look, comfort seems nowhere in sight. Well, it's into this reality, into this void of chaos that God announces to Judah, comfort, comfort. And in a veritable gushing of words, God pours out one good piece of news after another. I see you, my beloved people. Your hard service is over. Your sin has been paid for. You may be like grass that comes and goes and blooms and withers, but I am different. I am steady. I am sure. I am everlasting. And I am a God over chaos. And all of these promises, all of these good pieces of news build up to this giant crescendo as God tells the people, go to the highest place you can find. Shout it out as loudly as you can. Make sure that every person caught in chaos, caught in captivity, hears these words. Look, here is your God. It's these words that shatter the power of chaos for the people of Judah. 
before God has led them out of captivity, before he has brought them home, before he has cleaned up the giant mess that they find themselves in, he says, I am here. In the middle of your sin, in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of your hopelessness, and it is my presence that is your comfort. The people of Judah were certain that their comfort would only come on the other side of their captivity, would only come on the other side of their chaos. And for those of us who know this story, we know that a time is coming when God does indeed lead them back to their land. He does release them from the slavery and the hardship and the devastation of their life in Babylon. But what God is saying to the people here is that he is already in their midst, right in the middle of their grief, their questions, their hardship. And because God is there, there is comfort. He is the good news. And God invites the people in captivity not only to raise their eyes, but to raise their voices in proclaiming to everyone around them that they have a God who is with them in their chaos. He is their comfort. And it is his presence that makes all the difference. And the same is true for us, friends. God is our comfort. He is our comforter. His presence is what makes all the difference in our lives. Sometimes, like Isaiah describes, God's presence in chaos comes with sovereign power. Sometimes we see him shatter chains of addiction, radically change the course of a life, tangibly defeat the forces of evil or darkness or despair or hopelessness in ways that we could never imagine. But oftentimes, maybe most times, God's presence in our chaos comes in the form of a tender shepherd, of one like Isaiah describes, who gathers us up in his arms when we are cold and tired and lost and weary and holds us tight against his chest, right against his beating heart. Our friend Matt died a few days before Easter on a day that was meant to be full of hallelujahs and new life. Kristen and their children and their family and all the people who loved Matt were instead walking the dark and hard road of loss, of death, of chaos. That morning I happened to receive an alert that Kristen had posted something on Facebook. And when I opened that post, what I saw was the silhouette of a thin black cross sitting on top of a series of dark black hills. It was backlit by colors of yellow and pink and purple, and at the top were a bunch of little stars that faded to black. And on, on top of those black hills, in bold white letters, were the words, He is risen. And above that post, in a few short words, Kristen wrote this. Matt is in the glory of the Lord, celebrating the resurrection with the one who gave him eternal life. 
What a celebration that must be. In the midst of her chaos, in the midst of her pain, at a moment in grief where someone can hardly take a breath without feeling the searing pain of loss, Kristen climbed to a high place. She raised her eyes, she raised her voice, and she said to the world, look, even now, God is here. And what Kristen knows is that because God is here, there is hope, there is a future, there is comfort. Not the kind of feet on a couch, warm drink in your hand, lazy summer day of comfort that comes and goes in the blink of an eye. But the kind of comfort that can hold a grieving wife, that can hold an exhausted caregiver, that can hold people torn apart by lost jobs or lost relationships or lost dreams, that can hold people in a denomination fractured by disagreements, can even hold people who find themselves tangled in sin and weighed down by the brokenness of the world. Because when God put on flesh and he made himself incarnate amongst us in the person of Jesus Christ, the name that he gave himself was Emmanuel. God with us. Or in the words of our friend Isaiah, look, here is your God. Jesus landed right in the middle of the chaos, right in the middle of the mess, right in the middle of a world that seemed without hope and without comfort. And when Jesus put himself on the cross, when he died and was buried and was resurrected three days later, he boldly proclaimed to a world locked in captivity the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. See, beloved ones, look at my hands, look at my feet, look at the empty tomb. Your hard service has been completed. Your sin has been paid for. The chaos will never win. But Christ's work is not over. Isaiah speaks of a time when valleys will be raised and mountains will be leveled, when rough ground will become smooth, and when all the hard and rigid edges of this world will disappear. A time when addictions and affairs and fractured denominations and lost jobs and lost relationships and lost husbands and even death itself will be done forever. This is the vision of our God. This is the way his comfort will someday be complete. But until that day, and in service towards that day, we have a God who promises that he will keep showing up in our chaos. That he will keep moving us towards restoration. That he will forgive us. That he will fight for us. That he will hold us. That he will carry us. Until one day he defeats chaos forever. Friends, I don't know what your particular brand of chaos is. I don't know the places in your life that feel upended or fragile or heavy or filled with uncertainty. But whatever those places are, God's word, this word, it's for you today. God sees you. 
He sees the chaos within you or around you. And into those very particular and tender places, his voice breaks through all the noise. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Look, even now, even in this, I am here. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for your word, for the way it speaks so clearly to us. As people who still live in the middle of conflict and hardship and sorrow and chaos, God, we need to hear over and over again that you are our comfort, that in the person of the Holy Spirit, you are our ever-present, indwelling comforter. God, for those of us today who are struggling with fear or with doubt, with chaos, with sorrow, may we sense again today, God, that even now you are here. And God, may that, may that truth move us as people who have been comforted, to be people who go out and offer comfort in the world wherever it's needed. God, we pray this in the name of your Son, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.